be in the house of God tonight. Uh, could we thank him together again? Oh, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. That's it. Let's feel after him again right now. God, we love you. You are worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank the pastor for the opportunity for being here. And uh, I haven't been able to spend the last few days in his presence, gleaning off of his wisdom. And uh, you're truly a blessed people have a man of God like this to lead you. Are you glad that God sent a man your way with what you needed to hear? And uh, thank God for allowing us to meet Pastor Urshan so that we could make this acquaintance. And uh, I believe that God is pulling men together in this day and age of like precious faith. And uh, I told the church in Fort Myers this morning, I feel this way about Pastor Urshan and your pastor here. God is, is connecting men. The Bible says that the heart of Jonathan was knit with the heart of David. It was beyond just a backslapping, high-fiving, we like the same kind of food. We like No, there was a connection that, that happened. And when that happens, it doesn't matter. Who is king? Jonathan's soul was knit with David to the point that it didn't matter whether he should have been king. But he said, David, if you're the man, my soul's knit with you. And if God wants you to sit on that throne, then you can sit on that throne. I, I don't want superficial relationships. But we're living in, 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 in stringent, trying times. And I need somebody that's going to fight with me when hell raises up against me. So I thank God for the opportunity to be here. And the hospitality has been second to none. And uh, I'm just leaving the better for it. wish that my family was here. But uh, maybe sometime in the future we'll be able to make that a reality. I do thank God for a good wife and little guy. He's been sending me messages all afternoon and man. I'm struggling. I like the heat, but I like my son. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn between the two. Hallelujah. Yeah, it is a tough choice. It is a tough choice. If you have your Bibles, we're going to get right into the Word of God tonight. Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse number 24. Thank you to all the musicians and praise team, the worship leaders. Thank God for an opportunity to worship the Lord. God's been good to me. Has He begun to, been good to you? Oh, He's been good to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That song says it all. I just can't stop praising His name. Hallelujah. Matthew 13 and 24 in prayer. The last couple of days about this service, this seems to be what God laid on my heart. And uh, don't plan on taking a long time, but I just want to, challenge us and maybe encourage somebody tonight. I believe God's still a miracle worker. 
I believe he's still a Holy Ghost pouring out business is still in operation. Hallelujah. I believe he still speaks to his church. And that's a safe feeling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, now is no time to go to sleep. You understand that? While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. We do still understand that there's an enemy. Hallelujah. An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Timing is of essence. Tares must be dealt with. But timing is of essence. And so, yes, we've got tares. Yes, we have to deal with the tares. But don't do it too soon or else the wheat will be destroyed in the process. 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. Could we say that together? Until the harvest. Harvest time is coming. I said harvest time is coming. Until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and then bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Let them both grow together, verse 30 says, until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, it's harvest time. I want to talk to you just for a few moments tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost on this subject. Until the harvest. Until the harvest. Hallelujah. Could we pray together again right now before we're seated? God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. We stand here, God, not on our own doing, but we stand here firmly planted in the word of God. Speak, God, tonight through your servant. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Until the time of harvest. I don't know of late, but for some reason I've just contracted a little attitude. Sort of like the Apostle Paul had. A a little bit of a so what attitude. (laughs) He said that. He said, uh, if, am I going to let the unbelief of some make the promises of God of none effect? He said, no. Basically, in our vernacular, he just said, So what? If you don't want to believe God, I still believe God. If you want to cash in on the promises of God, you go ahead and cash in. But as for me, I still believe that God responds and respects His Word. 
If you can get God to speak to you, and if I can get God to speak to me, you can hang anything on a word from God. If He said He's going to do it, He will do it. I said, if He said He's going to do it, He will do it. One of the brethren already said it tonight, that there's a lot of things you can't trust, but you can trust in Him. It was David who said, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. But as for me, I'm going to trust in the Lord because He's been there every time I needed Him. When I turned, He was always there. Hallelujah. So I'm choosing to continue. There are some things in my personal life that God's promised me. There's some things for our church that God has promised us. And I believe there's some things that God has promised each of you as individuals, as individuals and you as a church. This sitting right over here is a promise that will be fulfilled. I said it will be fulfilled. I don't care how much hell fights it. I don't care what he throws against it. But if God said it can happen, it's going to happen. And somebody tonight needs to sink your teeth into the fact that he said it. And that's all that I need. If he said it, then I believe it. And that settles it. Hallelujah. Thank God. God, you may be seated. I want to get a little bit off track, but we'll just stick with it for a minute. I told the church a little while ago, I said, uh, 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 we need to get back a little more to the it is written thing. Over 80 times in your Bible it says, it is written. And we serve a God who respects the written word. In fact, when God speaks to you, I've told our church, God's still in the speaking business. And when God speaks to you, you need to write it down. You need to write it down because probably before it comes to pass, you'll go through hell. And you'll have to go back and say, God, did you really say it? But you can read it again and say, I know that on January the 16th, 2000, you told me that you'd never leave me. And you told me you'd never forsake me. And I'm hanging on to that word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is written. It is written. He makes the devil respect the written word. You may be seated. He made kings respect the written word. He said, I'm going to go ahead because you, you guys killed my daddy. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm here to settle the score. And he started killing the servants. And when he got to the kids, somebody said, oh, just a minute, king. There's a written word. It is written that the children shall not bear the sins of the fathers, and the fathers shall not bear the sins. And a whole generation was saved by the written word. A whole generation was was pulled back from the brink of extinction because somebody read the written word and said, it is written and, and, and we got to live it. We can only go so far. Jesus stepped into the temple And it was chaos. And it was nothing like he wanted it. And he started kicking stuff over. And he started kicking people out. And he started getting money changes out. And he said, I just need to stop up and let you know I'm not operating outside of my jurisdiction. I'm not operating outside of the realm of my authority. It is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Oh, but you've made it a den of thieves. 
And as soon as the church realigns itself with the written word. Oh, hallelujah. As soon as the church realigned, he said, all right, we're all settled down now. It's back how it's supposed to be. The next verse says, and many started coming and he healed them all. I want to tell you, you periodically have to go through a realignment process. But you go ahead and realign yourself to the written word. And when you do, through the doors are going to start coming people that need healing. And God's not going to disappoint them. There's going to be people that come through the doors that need restoration. And they're not going to be disappointed. Because if the house is, is, is aligned according to the written word, they'll get what they need. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ooh. That it is written, you may be seated. It is written that eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard of the things that he's prepared for those that love him. Number one, I don't believe that's just a heaven to go to, I believe that's right here. Too many times we shove scripture way off beyond the scope of the here and now. But if we fall in love with his appearing on a Sunday night in November, Only He knows the thing that He has prepared for this church tonight. But I also believe in heaven too. (laughs) I'm glad that we got a hope. So, the Word. And and I, I wish I could tell you tonight that when you started serving God, and there's some that look like they've been serving God for a while here. I know that the senior pastor here has been. But I'm sure that he would attest with me. I wish I could tell you that when you started serving God, it was going to be a bed of roses. No more problems. No more turmoil. It's over. You made it to paradise. Welcome. Paradise. I'm not, just just hang with me. I'm, I'm not on a downer. But I'm realistic. There are things that we all have to go through. There are situations that we all must endure. There are shaking things that we all must go through. And it's not just the devil that does it. Life, God does it sometimes. In fact, I don't want to be guilty of trying to stabilize something that God's shaking up. Asheriah, he grabbed that ark and God gave it a shaking because they weren't handling it properly. And old Uriah said, ooh, we don't like shaky things. We don't like it when it gets rocking and rolling. I better try to stabilize this. God said, you don't stabilize what I'm shaking. You let me go ahead and shake it because I'm shaking it for a reason. Over into Thessalonians, and he'll tell you what that reason is. He said, The reason you go through the shaking is so that the shaken can be revealed. There is a difference between being shaken and going through a shaking. He said, Be not soon shaken in mind. I've been through some shaking things, but they've never shaken my faith in Him. And I want to encourage somebody tonight, I don't care what it is that you're going through, keep your faith in Him. Well, well, I thought when I'd start serving God that, 
that, that I'd be through all of this stuff. And, and I thought that if I got the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't struggle with some of it. Hey, don't let that shake your faith in God. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and it falls on the unjust. He said, David, David said, I got to the place. And he was a man, you may be seated, that was after God's own heart. He was in pursuit of God's own heart. He was after all of the right things, brethren. He, he loved God. In fact, that was, not, that was not David's analysis of himself. That was God's analysis of David. That he was a man that was chasing God's own heart. But life just got bigger than David. And finally, he said, tell you what, my foot had well nigh slipped when I looked and seen the prosperity of the wicked. I looked and seen those that, that had cast off restraint. And I saw those that, that no longer were submitted, no longer were, were following the paths of righteousness. And I, I looked at them and it, it would appear like, from my perspective, that the moment they stop living for God and the moment they start do, stop doing everything that they're supposed to do and the moment, does anybody else struggle with that? The moment that they turn and backslide should be the moment that the earth opens up and swallows them and, and God vindicates them and us of them and, and we. And I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about timing. Can I talk to you just for a few minutes about timing? We operate on a different time schedule than he operates on. He's on a different plane. We don't see things like he sees them. And so when he speaks a word... We take it, grab it from this dimension, run down into time, and we say, if you said it, then it's going to happen, and it should be done by Friday would be nice. Anybody got anything you'd like to see God do? Maybe Thursday. I'm negotiable. I mean, I'm giving you three days. You're God. And we run from this dimension, and we try to cram it into time. And we operate on a much different... He doesn't see time. He sees eternity. He sees the mass of of beginning to end. And He sees the overall scope of everything that's going to happen in my life and everything that's going to happen in your life. And He goes, you may be be discouraged with the fact that, that this vision is not coming quickly as you think it is, but don't you get tired of waiting for it. Because if I said the vision was coming... And it seems to be tarrying, he said in Habakkuk. If the vision tarry, then you wait for it. Because if I said it was coming, it's going to come. He said, if I told you it was going to be there, it's going to be there. So do you know what you need to do? Sit down and wait for it. But don't ever get to the place where you let the fact that it doesn't show up when you think it should show up begin to tear down your faith in a God that said He would do it. Oh, let's worship Him together right now. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It is for an appointed time. I said, it is for an appointed time. God does respect time, but it's on His schedule. And so we work on that different level. And we don't understand that we're coming to that intersect. 
And we don't understand that we may be coming up close and we think that it should have happened already. Or, or, and he said, I'll tell you what, you may be seeing. He said, you don't, don't get discouraged if, if judgment is not executed speedily against an evil work. Don't you think that I've changed my mind about evil? Don't you think I've changed my mind about submission? Don't you think I've changed my mind about obedience? I still feel the same way about it as I ever have. But I've got a time schedule. And so, I, I'll i be honest with you tonight, maybe I'm preaching a little bit. You know, sometimes you preach out of retrospect. You preach from what you've been through. And what you've gleaned from what you've been through. Sometimes you preach futuristically about where you want to go, the vision. Other times you just preach from where you are in the trenches. And so, I'll be honest with you, been through some things the last few weeks. And so you begin to ask God, okay, God, when are you going to step on the scene? Are you getting as exasperated with this as I'm getting? Are you getting as fed up with this as I'm getting? Maybe all you spiritual folks don't struggle with questions like that. I'm like, okay, God, right now would be perfect. I mean, what an opportunity. Oh, if I was God, this would be a bad place to live. (laughs) Thank God I'm not God. I'd be hard on myself. So I'm reading one day, and it begins to deal with me about this text that we read tonight. And uh, I know this is just simple, but that's just what I feel tonight. He said, David was amassing men together. They wanted him to become their leader. And so you can read down through in Chronicles Judah brought 6,800 men. Simeon brought 7,100 men. Levi brought 4,600 men. Jehoiada, 3,700. On it goes. The Danites, 28,000. Asher brought 40,000 that were experts in war. There was an assembly of men that were gathering around David. And they weren't just, you know, soft. You know, they, they were men of the caliber that if you got to go into battle, you want those kind of men on your side, not facing them. You want them on your side. And when you do, I, I'm, I'm, I'm calculating these up, and it says there's 340,622 men. Not a small army. I mean, I, th- I think I could take this throne. 340,000 men. And then it says, oh, and there was the children of Issachar. There were 200 men. But do you know what it said about them? It says they were men. The children of Issachar were men that had understanding of the times. That they knew what Israel ought to to do. Now I want to tell you tonight, folks, that I'm not just interested in being a preacher. 
I'm not just interested in communicating a good little thought. I'm not just interested in getting a nice little subject matter together and, and presenting it with suave and charisma. And I want to know the times because we are in a day and an age when we need to know what to do. If we have ever needed to know what Israel ought to do, we need to know what Israel ought to do now. So you need to be careful, and I need to be careful, not just to follow a man that can preach. Did you hear what I'm saying? There's more to it than just being able to read a scripture and take a text and preach. But the children of Issachar were only 200 men. That's half of a percent of the 340,622 men that knew how to fight. But do you know what happened? The 340,000 men were subject to the 200 men. And they would get all, they say, we're ready to fight, pastor. We're ready. We've got the swords. We've got the experience. We're ready. Well, there's an enemy. What do we do? And they said, now, just a second. It takes more than just fighting. Let's go talk to somebody that knows what we ought to do. I don't want to just know what's right. I want to know when to do what's right. I don't want to just preach what is correct, but I want to know when to preach what is correct. I could come to this pulpit and preach anything, but I want to preach what is right to be preached. Because Israel needs to know what to do. There's men and women that come through the doors of our churches and they're struggling with situations and they need to know what saith the word of the Lord. They don't just need three points and a poem. They need a word from God. We need men. We need men. We need men. We need saints that understand the times. What should we do? What should we do? What should we do over the internet? What should we do over... All of the issues that we're facing now. We've never been here before. What do we do? But somewhere there's some men that have been on their face like your pastor. I said, I know what time it is. I know what time it is. It's time that we march this direction. It's time that we take this action. It's time that we Anybody thank God that you got more than just a preacher? But you got a child of Issachar that understands the timing of God. You may be seated and we won't be much longer. But so here you have, I, I'm just being painfully honest with you tonight. I've gone to conferences and I've needed a word from God. I've, I've needed direction. And preachers just get up. With all due respect, and push the buttons, and get the crowd gigged, and 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 they know what to do to get the emotion, and they know what to do to 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 get everybody in a hype. And I leave going, what time is it? Some I missed it. Nobody spoke to me so that I could go back and deal with the fact that families are breaking apart, and and people are leaving their spouses, and. And, and people are losing their jobs. And I don't just need another gig-gig sermon. I need a word from God. I need somebody that can step to a pulpit and say, Thus saith the word of God, and this is what you need to do in the situation that you're in. Oh, I don't just want to preach right. 
I want to preach timely. Hallelujah. You may be seated, but we must never confuse or misinterpret God's late arrival on our time schedule with the fact that He has abandoned us. He knows when to show up. He said He knows when to show up. So, I'm reading this and God's dealing with me on all of this and I find this parable in Matthew, the 24th chapter. And if you're not careful, I want to talk to you just as saints just for a moment. And I subject myself to this man of God here. But it's easy if you're not careful to get into the place where you question leadership. Because it doesn't operate. God called leadership does not always fit into human time schedules either. Moses, what has become of him? He's been up in that mountain now. He said he'd be back in 40 days, and he's been up there. And at the best, from history, they said, at best, the dispute was whether they were calculating the days from the evening to the morning or morning to the evening. So at the most, he may have been off 12 hours. And all of the people said, hey, hey, where's Moses? He told us he'd be back here in 40 hours. Tell you what, we don't need that. If, if I can't predict my preach, I thought the preacher knew that there was sin in the church. I, how, how come he didn't deal with it? How come? I'm telling you, it's not just whether it's right or wrong. Timing is a big factor. Timing is a big factor. And so we begin reading in Matthew this parable, and he said that a man went forth and began to sow, everybody say, good seed. Oh, let's say it again. It was... There was nothing wrong with the seed. And so it started growing up, and all of a sudden the fruit started coming out, and they said, Do you know something? That's this. Brother Pastor, and they run over. Do you see that? You know, I thought you sowed good seed. Is that not what they said? Immediately they started calling into question because. Tares came in the, in the field. They said, I thought it was good seed. Didn't you sow good seed? And there is a spirit that comes against every God-called man of God. And there will be tares in every field. I said, there will be tares in every field. But it has no reflection on the seed. Well, how do you know that? Well, let's get to the end of the chapter. He said, I'll tell you what the seed is. The seed is the Word of God. And let me tell you who the sower is. The sower is the Son of God. Hey, it doesn't get much better than Jesus Himself sowing in a field. There was tares even in Jesus' field. It wasn't a 100% bumper crop. So immediately, go, well, Pastor, I thought, you know, if you... If you, if you really sowed like you, you claim to sow, we shouldn't have these problems. But no, Jesus sowed and had problems. Jesus had 70 men. You may be seated. We talked about this the other day. Just 70 men got up and walked out. He came back to church the next service, and he's got 12. Whoa. And he walks to the pulpit. I'm afraid this would be my response. 
uh, please, folks, we can work this out, you know. Nobody go nowhere. Everybody just sit tight. I've got to work with. I can turn my world upside down with men that I can depend on. You hear what I'm saying? I can turn my world upside down with 12 men. You say, well, what would have happened if he had 82? That's not the point. He had tares in his field, just like I'm going to have tares in my field. And just like you're going to have tares in your field. And it's no reflection on the preaching. And it's no reflection on the preacher. It's just a fact of life. There's tares in everybody's field. So you need to get your lip off the man of God. You need to back off the man of God. And you need to just say, thank God that I'm still in the field. Thank God that I'm still in the field. Oh, hallelujah. And so here we are. We had a promise of revival in our church. And I still believe we're going to have revival. We're having revival. And so we have this promise. Revival. If this is revival, I wouldn't have prayed for this. People started leaving. You may be seated. People started. People close to me started leaving, doing stupid things. And if we're not careful, and I'm coming to a close, we can become so focused on the tares. I want you to hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight. You can come so focused on the tares that you forget that tares are always dealt with at harvest time. Did we not read that? He said they grew up together. And so the urge is, I see that there's wheat over there. And I see that there's tares over there. And my God, I don't want anybody to think that my church would have tares in it. So I'm going to race over to the field and I'm going to rip out the tares. He said, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Just let it grow together. Un. Till the time of harvest. Everybody say that together again. Until the time of harvest. Anybody want to still have revival? Are we in Belglade? Is that where we're at? Does anybody want to still? Until the time of harvest. So if you're not careful, you'll think, Well, my God, I thought revival was coming. If this is revival, I don't want revival. But that's the wrong outlook. Quit focusing on the tares and start looking at the wheat. And so this one's plucked out. And this one's... And I'm praying and I'm saying, God, give me... What is the answer to this? And he said, I'm telling you, I told you it was harvest time. And when I start taking the tares out... Don't put the, seed, the, 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 the sickle back in the sheath, but keep it out because the same sickle that takes the tares out. And so here we go. Okay, God. Men of Issachar that understood the time. And he said, now, I have my little guy. I'm just I'm sick, Jordan. Had my little guy come help me when I was preaching at home. I brought him up. The men of Issachar, you may be seated one last time. They knew the timing of God. They knew the timing of God. And they said, it's harvest time. Pastor, it's harvest time. And so, let's get together. They were the ones that knew. They were the ones that called together the feast. They were the ones that studied the time clock. 
and made sure that everybody was notified with lots of notice that the coming of God, they could pick up and say, it's coming, it's coming, get ready, get ready. The time of the year is almost here. And so what would they do? They would call and they would say, in Deuteronomy, count off seven weeks from when you first began to cut the grain. And then I want you to celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Now I want you to hear this because this is your and my obligation. And you know what? In order to do this, you've got to get your eyes off the tares. Are you ready for this? Bring him a voluntary offering. In propim. Now I got a question to ask you. Has anybody in this church been blessed of God? Has God been good to you? Then he said, the men of Issachar said, it's festival time. It's harvest time. It's celebration time. I tell you what you do. You got to swing through that door with a blessing. An offering that's in proportion to how good God's blessed you. Then he said, you come to your designated place of worship that I chose for his name to be honored. And then he said, and this is where I had my little guy with me. Any little guys want to help me right now? Maybe not. You're not too little, but come on, man. Get up here. He said, what are we doing, Daddy? Well, son, the tears. So many tears. Bad. It's awful. It's just tears. If I didn't have tears, I'd enjoy harvest season so much more. No, he didn't. He said, you know something, buddy? God's been good to us. And when we swing through those doors, we've got to bring us a blessing in proportion to how good He's been to us. Yes, we had to deal with some things. Yes, we had to take care of some tares. But when we come together, He said, we're going to celebrate with our sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites from your towns, and the foreigners and orphans and widows. And remember, I want to tell you, just you need to every once in a while just look over your shoulder and remember where God brought you from. And all of a sudden, when you see where He brought you from, something wakes up on the inside of you. And you say, Son, I don't want you to ever forget what God's done for us and for our family. Rejoice! 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 Because it's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Well, what about the tares, Pastor? What about those leaving? What about those backsliding? What about those making stupid decisions? That's all part of harvest. But i got a question to ask you. What about the harvest? What about the harvest? What about the harvest? And it was in Acts, the second chapter. Second chapter, I think we know that chapter pretty good. He said, at the time it was Pentecost. 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 
That's the time of harvest. That's the time of harvest. And guess what? Even at Pentecost, 500 started. At the time of harvest, 500 gathered together and said, we're going to wait for this Holy Ghost thing because I want to tell you something. I'm going to be here when this Holy Ghost poured out. I don't know what it's all about, but I'm going to stay here. And then God didn't show up quite soon enough. And they said, well, do you think it's really worth all of this? You know, you really think we need to wait? Ah, let's go, man. And 380 walked out the door just before harvest. Did that change it for the 120 that stayed? You want to think it didn't, brother. When the Holy Ghost started pouring out on the second chapter in the book of Acts, it didn't matter that 380 had walked out the door. There was still 120 that said, I'm still here, I'm still here, and it's harvest time. I want to tell you something. I don't care what you've been through personally. I don't care what this church has been through. I don't care who's coming and who's going, but it's harvest time, and you need to stay here until the harvest comes. And while you're here, get your children together. Get your sons together. Get your daughters together. And say, celebrate with me because God's been mighty good to me. Oh, let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. That's it. Has God been good to you? Thank Him. Come on, church family. Love the Lord here. In Jesus' name. Claim every promise of God. Every encouraging word. Holy King. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I love you, Lord. It's a struggle for survival. I'm out there on the battlefield At times I stand alone And when I reach for my holy altar I pick up my shield of faith I march out on the battlefield Take up my sword and say I'm not in the battle, it's not too steep The battle is rough, but I'm not too weak I won't turn my back
Jesus. We praise your holy name, Lord. We praise your holy name, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. God, I praise you. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear God. Mm, I love you, Lord. I praise you.